Hello, and welcome to Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner. Yesterday, a friend and I went out to a state park and went hiking for a couple of hours. I overdid it a little bit. I was a little sore and pretty tired afterwards. But it felt good to get outside, even though it was a very humid day. And I would recommend that you get outside and move your body as often as possible. It is extremely beneficial. How do you feel about what's going on in the world today? Do you think we're going down the drain? Or will things work out? I have a tendency to believe that things are going to work out. We may have a few bleak days here and there, but overall I'm very positive about the future. So do you feel helpless or hopeless? I feel neither actually. I feel really good about my world. But if you're feeling a little lost, you can make a difference and it doesn't take much time, but it does require a little bit of effort and the intention to help. How do you feel about prayers and blessings? I use prayers and blessings at least four to six times a week. They're positive thoughts intended to raise awareness, energy, and even healing. And so a blessing is really a a special form of prayer. What do you want to see more of in yourself and in the world? You can devise a prayer and a blessing to accomplish it and recite that prayer, that blessing every day, and it will make a difference. But I have an old idea that if we maybe share the same blessing a couple of times a day for 60 seconds or or longer, we as a group can make a difference in our world. One of the blessings that I do many days is I send a blessing of love, peace, joy, happiness, good health, harmony, abundance, kindness, thoughtfulness, compassion, cooperation, and collaboration to humanity. By divine grace and unconditional love, so be it. So I ask for your help and your consideration in repeating that blessing for 60 seconds, one or two times a day. And let's see what we can do for improving your mood and the mood of the world. I've spoken any number of times about your thoughts being powerful and asking you if you know what you're thinking most of the time. I've had some people tell me that it's hard to keep a positive thought in their mind because of everything that's going on. Here's the thing, you get to direct your thoughts. You get to choose your thoughts. So the question becomes, how can you figure out where and what these mental detours are that keep pulling you off the road or your path of what you truly desire? We can all suffer from these invisible barriers or imprison yourself in a cage. Here's a process or a procedure that you can use. You want to pick an hour in your day where you're starting in a positive and happy frame of mind and then monitor your thoughts. Note and record any time you find yourself slipping into automatic negative thoughts or ants or getting bothered, distracted, disturbed, detoured, or derailed 
from where you started the exercise. Now, this practice is really best done during your everyday life. You can do this at work, with family around, or doing household chores, or out for a hike. The only thing that really matters is that you're starting in a positive and happy mindset. Now, this distraction, detour, or disturbance can be something as short as three to five seconds, some form of judgment, a brief moment of anxiety. What you're doing is taking an inventory of what that comes up around you in the course of an hour of your daily life. Your intention here is to watch your thoughts and record or note the thought and what it triggered. This isn't about changing the thought or the distraction. This is strictly catching those negative thoughts, ideas, or anxieties that pop up in the course of an hour of your life. This process, this procedure, or practice is about noticing your thoughts and then preventing yourself from being bothered, disturbed, distracted, unsettled, or derailed mentally and emotionally from where you were. If a boss says, I need to see you, what happens in your mind, in your brain, and in your body? Where you get up on a beautiful morning, clear blue sunny skies, a gentle breeze, you walk into the bathroom, you see yourself in the mirror, you notice something that you don't like. Wow, I'm getting, and here you can fill in the blank. This is a detour from where you were at. That thought has distracted you from the beautiful day. And on the peaceful path, you started and you engage in negative self-talk and analysis. You allow ants to disturb, distract, detour, and derail you. And then you want to know how long does this negative conversation last? So by taking an hour where you start out in a good, happy mood and you monitor your thoughts with the intention of seeing what automatic negative thoughts knock you off the peaceful highway that you were traveling. Again, we're not going to change the thoughts right now. We just want to note how often these automatic negative thoughts pop into your mind in the course of an hour of your daily life. You could get a phone call, a text message, overhear part of a conversation that upsets you, or there's a minor inconvenience that triggers a stress response or the good old overthinking something in your life instead of simply being in the moment. By observing and acknowledging your triggers with an open and neutral eye may bring and allow healing them in a way that your brain cannot quantify. Shining a light of consciousness can be healing in and of itself. The process or the procedure for noticing your thoughts during this hour is not to make you upset or angry at yourself. Don't go there. You're just trying to shine a light and determine what causes you to get off the peaceful highway that you started on. Once you know your triggers, what bothers or disturbs you or distracts you, then there are methods and ways of making changes. But this process that I described today is about observation and notation of your thoughts and those things that distract, disturb, detour, or derail you from the original highway of happiness that you were on.
Last week was the one-year anniversary of my mom's passing. And in talking with a couple of my friends, we talked about how we deal with grief, which is really the acute pain that accompanies loss of someone, something that we loved. So our grief is a reflection of our love. And this loss includes people, our pets, our work, and our stuff. And because we're human beings with feelings and emotions, love and grief can bring on feelings of confusion and maybe even guilt. It's commonly believed that there are five stages to grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I don't believe that most people go through all five stages. There may be a few that do, but for most, I think there are two to four stages that people go through. But grief is a process. There's no set time limit for acceptable or unacceptable activities. There's no timetable because grief has its own trajectory for every human being. From my own experience, I've learned to feel the feelings and, the, and then let go of them. Attempts to suppress or deny your grief will more than likely prolong the experience. From the moment my mom went into the hospital in 2015, I knew, I understood that her life was in danger. She survived the hospital and worked really hard in rehabilitation and was able to come home and live in her own home for the next six years. I accepted that she was going to die at some point. And when she passed one month short of her 86th birthday, I knew and understood that she was in a better place, that she had lived a long, good life. Yes, I missed her. I knew what was coming. I could see it. I had called family members saying, I think we might be on the downside hill of this. And I also knew there wasn't anything I could do that was going to change the trajectory of her physical condition. I could see what was happening, and I made peace with it. I had also asked my mom what she wanted. She told me, and that's what we did. She died peacefully in her home. I still miss her. I think about her every day. When my kitty cat Mark passed, I didn't see it coming, so it was unexpected, and it upset me. I know I cried for at least a half an hour as I went to find a container that I could put him in where he could rest comfortably. I brushed his fur, and his brother Eddie came up onto the bed and sniffed and walked around and then laid down next to him. It was sad. I let my neighbor know, and she came over, and we started talking and sharing memories about our kitty cats, and I began to feel better. I still think about Mark every day. His brother Eddie is still alive at 13 and a half years old. There is no right or wrong where grieving is concerned. People going through the grieving process want those around them to listen, share memories, maybe even ask questions, which confirm the depth of the griever's feelings, which allows them to heal. When I was in grade school, an acquaintance died. A little boy I, I barely knew, Steve, passed away. But the first time that I was personally affected by death and grieving was with my grandmother's passing. Now, I was sad for the loss 
and for them to be able to do again together. But for some reason at age 12, I used gratitude to soften the loss. I was grateful that I had my grandmother for 12 years. I was grateful for all the things that we were able to do for 12 years. I was grateful for her impact in my life, for the memories we had made and the time that we had shared together. And focusing on gratitude helped me immensely. And in my grieving process, it's where I go to first. And each time I have suffered a loss, being grateful and appreciative for that person, individual, or pet has lessened the loss for me. It doesn't change the loss, but I don't concentrate on the loss. And generally, I don't get stuck and I'm able to move forward. But everyone is different. There is no one process that works for everybody. My father's death taught me a couple of lessons. He was ill, but wouldn't go to the doctor. And his choices impacted all his family and friends. So one of the lessons I learned is that I can't control others. I can only control my reaction to them. And the other lesson was to be as supportive of everyone else as possible. So from someone's passing, you may learn a lesson. There may be a message for you there. It could serve as a wake-up call or something that you might need to change or improve. So grief and grieving is a very personal experience, and it will be different for each of us. There is no right or wrong to it. It takes whatever amount of time it takes. And hopefully you will have friends and family that can be there to share memories, laughter, to listen to your thoughts, and to help you heal. Do you drink coffee and have coffee grounds that you just don't want to throw away because it seems kind of wasteful? Here are several ideas for your consideration. Coffee grounds can be used to make a body and facial scrub. One to two tablespoons of spent coffee grounds to which you can add a tablespoon of your favorite milk and a tablespoon of your favorite oil. Stir together and massage onto your face or body in a circular motion for several minutes and then rinse. Your skin will feel much better. If you garden, you can add the, the spent coffee grounds to your compost pile. If you're growing some root vegetables, carrots, radishes, beets, you can blend some coffee grounds into the soil. The boost in nutrients, particularly the nitrogen in coffee, can lead to quicker growth and better overall results. And I was surprised to learn that coffee acts as a natural bug and pest repellent. The bugs don't like the caffeine or the diterpenes. So you can put out small containers of spent coffee grounds in places where you don't want bugs. And my research showed you can sprinkle throughout your plantings and garden to deter snails and slugs. Have you heard of homeopathy? Traditional mainstream medicine thinks it's hogwash, that it doesn't work, that it's a hoax at best. I've used homeopathic products on and off for many years. And I love this quote from Sir John Ware 
physician to King George VI, and four generations of British monarchs. I believe that what prevents men from accepting homeopathic principles is ignorance. But ignorance is criminal when human lives are at stake. No honest man, when faced with the facts of homeopathy, can refuse to accept it. He has no choice. When I had to face it, I had to become a follower. There was no choice if I were to continue to be an honest man. In the British monarchy, homeopathy came into prominence when Queen Alliday was suffering a serious issue and the court physicians could do nothing. A doctor who used homeopathy was called. She was cured, which created numerous supporters for homeopathy within the royal families. While the mainstream media loves to paint homeopathy as silly and not working, there are numerous published articles on PubMed that show otherwise. And it is a federally recognized form of medicine regulated by the FDA. Homeopathy is a gentler, kinder, natural healing system that can relieve symptoms and improve overall health. These homeopathic remedies are cruelty-free, environmentally friendly, and derived from natural sources, which are affordable and available from many retailers. Homeopathy has two unconventional ideas. First is like cures like, meaning that a disease or a situation can be cured by a substance that produces similar symptoms in healthy people. And the second idea is the law of minimum dose, which means or translates to the lower the dose of the medication, the greater its effectiveness is. Many homeopathic products are so diluted that no molecules of the original substance remain. I use Arnica preparations to help relieve sore muscles and to help any bruises I get go away faster. And I've seen positive benefits in both ways of using it. What does science tell us about the age of the universe or earth or humankind? Today, science says that the universe sprang into existence 13.7 billion years ago, that our solar system was formed 4.5 billion years ago, and that microscopic life on Earth began 3.7 billion years ago, and that the largest mass extinction event happened 252 million years ago. These are all big history ideas and information. Paleontologists estimate and believe that Homo sapiens emerged from East Africa approximately 200,000 years ago, and yet our recorded history is about 5,000 years. But from where we started to where we are today, we have accomplished a lot. Humanity has accomplished quite a few things. We discovered fire, which made us less dependent upon climate and gave us a new way to prepare our food. For the most part, we have conquered animals 
there was a time when leaving your cave or hut was a potentially life-threatening risk and possibility. Today, most of us think of animals as either food or pets. The development of agriculture helped humankind transition from hunter-gatherers into a civilization. The development of livestock practices and crops made the transition possible. And yet 98% or so of human history is pre-agriculture. Development of speech took us from warning cries and shouts and mating calls to poetry, philosophy, and civilization. Without speech, reason, and everything that comes from it would never have happened. Social organization happened. Because we learned there was no security or prosperity until we learned that our disputes could be settled without picking up a rock or a club. Compromise and cooperation have led to knowledge, progress, and wealth. From social organizations, we progressed to knowing and understanding that there can be no lasting peace, or happiness for that matter, without conscience and justice. And from that sprang morality. And we developed tools, the wheel, the hammer, the knife, the spear, the shovel. Without machines and tools, there was little we could build or achieve. But the new and ever-improving tools eased our burdens and greatly improved the quality of our lives. One of those tools, namely the printing press, has been voted numerous times as the most outstanding tool or, or invention ever. The development of writing made permanent the achievements of the human mind, and the printing press carried them to every corner of the world. An educational system developed where each generation passes along the accumulated wisdom, knowledge, and its discoveries to the next generation. We may have come in as savages, but education enhances our human qualities. Without the enlightened mind, humanity and society have advanced and have benefited from the enlightened mind. We have gone from warning cries to space telescopes, electron microscopes, where we can see that the universe is larger than the ancients ever knew. We've come a long way in 5,000 years, but we still have a ways to go. But I believe cooperation, collaboration, and compassion will lead the way to an ever better tomorrow. Well, that's the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll come back again next week for another episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Wazner. Have a fabulous week, people.